Hey, GHC, this is Samantha with the Georgia Highlands College Leadership Series. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, GHC has named Ms. Michelle Lockett-Lewis as the Assistant Vice President of Academic Resources and Retention. Uh, she'll supervise the Student Support Services Center, Academic Tutoring Center, Grants Administration, Office of the Registrar, and the Center, and the Center of Excellence in Teaching and Learning. Ms. Michelle Lockett-Lewis, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Good, good. I appreciate you coming in and giving me your time today. Um, I know that you're very, very, very busy. Very, very, very important woman here at Georgia Highlands College, everybody. I'm so lucky. Um, let's, let's just start at the beginning. How did you end up in your current leadership role? Well, I previously worked at Georgia Military College as academic dean. I was actually a regional dean for Stone Mountain and Fairburn campuses. And we were creating a campus for Rockville as well. And this is how I even heard about GHC. Right. And so um, I saw this position available and I had been at Georgia Military College for about six years. Mm -hmm. And I took an opportunity to apply for it. Mm -hmm. And I had an awesome opportunity to meet with Dana mm -hmm. and with the hiring committee. And I was offered this great position. I'm so excited about uh, being at Georgia Highlands. And I consider it a great honor that, to that's, be a part of the team. That's absolutely awesome. What kind of what kind of schooling do you have? Like, where did you go? What did you study? What kind of degrees do you hold for this for this okay. particular leadership role you're in? So I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Me too. And <laughs> where are you in between? Right, where? Right. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Clayton College and State University. Okay. And I got a bachelor's degree in human in human services. I went to Central Michigan University and got my master's in human resource administration. Wow. And I'm currently at Liberty University finishing my doctoral degree. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Yes, thank you, in leadership. And, and right now I'm in what we call the dissertation phase. Uh -huh. And I'm actually writing and researching right now. So I should be finished next year with my doctoral degree. And I'm super excited about getting it in leadership because I have, I've had a unique opportunity of being in academia for over 20 years. Wow. Y'all, I told you she was important. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's Thank so cool. You. Thank I you. Um, what did but let's let's start let's start even even before that. Mm -hmm. What what did you want to be when you grew up? You know what? I was raised in East Atlanta mm -hmm. and I did not get an opportunity to see a lot of people mm -hmm. with a heavy academic background mm -hmm. that was kind of unheard of mm -hmm. and so in order to really get out of poverty mm -hmm. and out of that situation I knew I had to go to college mm -hmm. and further my education and so I at first I wanted to be a lawyer because I like to talk and then I realized that I had this love for people and I thought that meant human resources. Yeah. And I realized once I started working in human resources that I would much rather work with students mm -hmm. in a collegiate setting. Mm -hmm. And from that day to this one, I have been in academia. That's so cool. So I'm I'm not really in the same in the same boat, but kind of in a dinghy next to you. Mm -hmm. um, I am a non-traditional student. I came to Georgia Highlands College in 2019. Um, at 43 years old, wow. and I just needed something. I, I what this is gener this is a short version of my story. I lost 85 pounds. 
I went through a process where I um, did some behavioral changes. I had lifestyle changes. And girl, I was doing all this stuff and, and the weight was just all on. I was just melting off. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I didn't, it was hard for me to see. Um, and I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so I started doing a bunch of research and I tried to figure out how that happened. And, and basically that boils down to what you, your anatomy classes, your biochemistry classes, the biology, all that stuff. And I got really interested in it. And I was like, man, I'm doing all this research. There's, I, you know what? I went to college back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Told y'all I'm old. <laughs> I went to college back in the nineties. I bet you got some credits that will, that will, you know, carry over. Let's see what that's about. So I went to check on them. And of course, when you, you know, I ordered two sets. I sent one to Georgia Highlands because I saw an ad on a buggy at Kroger. <laughs> and I sent one to Georgia Highlands because I know I'm not allowed to send them if I open them, but I just wanted to read it, right? So I ordered two because why not? So I went to Georgia Highlands and I sent one to myself. I got it in the mail. I opened it up and I was like, oh yeah, this is Japanese. Like, I don't, what, I don't know what any of this means. Like, this doesn't even have a list of classes on it. Mm-hmm. And six months later, I was enrolled and I was attending classes and Two years later, I'm about to graduate in May of 22 with my bachelor's in, in health science. So um, I want to pursue sport management and I have some visions with that. And I want to come back to Georgia Highlands uh, full time. That's, that's going to be a goal for me. And um, I, I'm looking at grad school and all that stuff. So I'm in a little dinghy next to you. Now I'm going to catch up one day. <laughs> you know what? This is the thing, though. This is this, this thing that we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Things you changing your life in front of my very eyes. Mm-hmm. This is why I chose to work in academia because you get an opportunity to see this up close and personal. Right. And it means everything to you to yes. see a student start from a place of trying to figure out where they belong and then ultimately getting to this great place in their lives yes. where they have figured it all out. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that. Yeah. I love being a part of that. Yes. And you're, you're playing a, a very important key right now just doing this podcast with me because this is going to be my final honors project. Wow. I've gotten my um, Phi Theta Kappa. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done all, you know, all that stuff and petitioned to graduate. Like I'm, I'm there. Oh. I'm going. And okay. I, I want to go to grad school. So my point is, is I'm looking at grad school for sport management. Um, and that is not something I ever foresaw myself being interested in. There are two different kind of branches you can take for that. One is going to be uh, the analytical side, which is this, this <laughs> stop <laughs> the statistical side. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other route is collegiate academia, and that's the route I'm taking. And I've gotten really excited because I played softball growing up. I played for 21 years. That was what I did. A huge baseball fan. And uh, I have my sights set on some things that nobody knows. I don't even think they exist, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna make some efforts, and I'm gonna see if I can invent some things and work my work my magic and get in there and, and you know work in the athletic department hopefully. So it was nothing I ever saw. I foresaw that it was gonna happen. And when I started this process, I was thinking I wanted to go in nutrition and registered dietitian, and um, it's just not that season in my life for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I start grad school, I have a son who'll be starting high school, wow. um, and the only real RD kind of uh, schooling that I was finding um, was going to be at Georgia State. Moving is not an option. My son has been with his friends since second grade. So I'm not pulling him in high school. Um, so it's just not the right season for me. And I know that can come later, but I've, got, I've sparked my interest in other. Um, basically what I did was I saw what was around me in my in my area where I live. I live in Rockmart, um, okay. about 30 minutes from the Rome campus. 
Um, and I, I looked around at the schools to see what they offered. And I was just seeing if I could find something I might be interested in. And that's where I, that's where I ended up. Yeah. So it's really exciting. Um, let's talk about accountability. Okay. Can you tell me a definition? Let's just say a lay, a lay person who doesn't know what we're talking about. What, what is your definition of accountability? Okay. So my definition of accountability is to take responsibility for using effective decision-making skills to resolve all areas of opportunity mm -hmm. that arise and devising a plan of strategy mm. to prevent failures, issues, or fires within your leadership organization. Wow, that's deep. That's awesome. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes when people think accountability, they think, oh, I got to take the blame for something. And it's not that at right, all. Right, right. It's not that at all. I think that... Um, People are sometimes short-sighted when they think about accountability as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, as a leader, it is our responsibility to not just put out fires, but to prevent them. Mm -hmm. You do that by forecasting, mm -hmm. empowering others, mm -hmm. effective communication. All of those things are part of it. And so usually people are just sitting back waiting for something to go wrong. Mm -hmm. But if we go ahead and put some prevention techniques in place, to keep things from going wrong or falling through the cracks. Mm -hmm. That's also a major part of accountability. Yeah, that makes yeah, that makes sense. And I know that, I mean, I understand the, you know, the definition that you've given us because I'm in this class, but for people who haven't maybe taken this class yet, or maybe aren't in the pathway to take this class, um, that is great definition. Thank you very much. Um, why do you think accountability is so important in leadership roles? Well, I think accountability is super important because you, as a leader, you have to be willing to take all of the failures and all of the achievements. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of leaders love all of the achievements, don't want to take any of the failures, right. and they want to blame others. Right. And people on your team, directors or leaders or managers on your team, they resent that right? because they want you to be with them when things are going right and be with them when things aren't going right. And so as a leader, being accountable for everything that goes in and out of your preview, things that you have the ability to touch and change mm -hmm. is your responsibility. That's beautiful. And if you think about it that way, then when people want to be in positions of leadership, they want to be and do as in the words of Sarah Coakley, Dr. Coakley, let me tell you what she I'm trying me. to get her in. We're trying to get her in. She's busy. Let me tell you what she told me one day. Uh -huh. She said, Michelle, being a leader is not so much doing and tackling the shiny things. Mm -hmm. It's tackling the muddy things that no one wants to touch. Right. That stuck with me. Right. Because that is the absolute truth. Doing the things in the shadows that may not get you the accolades and all those things that come with it, but being successful mm -hmm. on that level and getting some real things done mm -hmm. is all about leadership and accountability. That makes complete sense. So I don't know if you know, because uh, for anybody listening, uh, this is the first time that uh, Michelle Lockett and Lewis and I have met. I have the same last name, Samantha Lewis. We decided that we're cousins. Yes. It's cool. Um, but this is the first time we've met. And so hearing you say these things, I'm really relating it. Uh, I do. I am the undergraduate research lab manager mm -hmm. at Georgia Highlands over on the Carterville campus. Um, it sounds really fancy. Mm -hmm. All I do is what everybody else doesn't. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
and and I don't hate it. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, my responsibility is to make sure that whatever was supposed to be done that day was done. Whether I delegate that leadership skill mm-hmm. or whether I <laughs> shameless plug, <laughs> whether I delegate that or whether I just make sure the job is done. You know, and I related to when I was when I was young, um, 18, 19 years old, I waited tables. And yeah, and so I, I relate a lot of things back to that. I did that for a lot of years and I relate a lot of things back to that. One of those things that you just said that kind of rang a bell for me was being in there, being in there in the mud when you don't have servers that show up for their shifts, when you have a, um, a uh, customer who has flushed a roll of toilet paper down the toilet, you know, all of those things that, oh, well, I'm not doing it. That You're the manager. That's your job. You know, that's, that's kind of how I take that back. And um, I can relate to that on a more adult level now than I could when I was 18 years old. But it is the same thing, you know, it's the same thing for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how do you suggest that someone in a leadership position move from a blame to an accountability? Well, I think that, to be honest with you, leadership, being a good leader, is a state of mind. Mm-hmm. You have to decide mm-hmm. when you take those roles that everything that comes with this, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent, right, is ultimately on me. Right. And if this is going to be successful, then it's my job to make it successful. If it's not going to be successful, that falls on me as well. Right, right. And so being in, in, in my experience, being a leader that likes to place blame is not a good leadership style. Mm-hmm. And it means more to somebody that's laissez-faire mm-hmm. right. and likes to kind of sit back and let things just unfold as opposed to a transformational leader that wants to get in front of things and make things happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide early on what kind of leader you want to be. Mm-hmm. And is that somebody that's going to be laid back and just let everything happen? Or are you going to really lead and get in the front of adversity mm-hmm. and challenges right. and make things happen? Mm-hmm. And so I guess if to answer your question, I would say if I want to go from a place of blame to a place of accountability, I have to make a decision and decide mm-hmm. that I want to be the type of leader that does that. Right. And so it's a conscious decision that has to be made. It's not something that happens haphazardly. You have to make a decision every day to be that person. That is really interesting because I had an assignment in this class where we had to, you know, we just had to like fill out some circle some things. We had to answer some questions and it gives you like, it, it busts out a number and it says you, you score high in a democracy or mm-hmm. democratic style. Mm-hmm. You score high in laissez fair and, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. And even before I took that, I am a self-proclaimed democratic style leader. Right. I think everybody should be in there. I think everybody should be talking about ideas. I think that, you know, I just think that it is a team effort, which is, you know, that's another episode, you guys, team building, mm-hmm. just listen up. <laughs> But I think it's a team effort and I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm self-proclaimed democratic style. If you guys don't know what it is, um, you can Google uh, leadership style questionnaire or anything mm-hmm. like that. You can just answer the question. It's, it takes less, less than five minutes, answer the questions and, and see where you're at. And um, it's interesting that you said that because I feel like I could develop more administrative skill uh, or administrative style mm-hmm. Um and I don't think I would ever be that way as a chair. Yeah, it's just no, not my style. It, it has to be a miserable state of being oh. just to watch things go disastrous and, and do nothing. And there are two types of people, Samantha. 
people that watch it and it is purposeful mm -hmm. because they want things to fail. And then you have other people that just don't have the ability to do anything different. Oh. And, and 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 that's sad, yeah. but it's true. It is true. You're right. And so that democratic translational leadership style is really rare. Yeah. People believe that most people are those types of leaders, but they're not. Really? Mm -hmm. You guys, check out the questionnaire. Give it a Google or whatever it is that the kids are doing mm -hmm. these days. Go ahead and look at it. Um, and, and answer those questions. And to be honest with you, you may be able to know what your leadership style may score highest on on that questionnaire by your experiences and the leaders that have led you to where you are today. And, you know, the ones that you didn't like so much, maybe you should read up on that style and see what that style is. And, and maybe it'll help you kind of veer away from that style. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, you know, those leaders that have really influenced you or mentored you and, and you really respond to their leadership style. Um, you'll you read up on that, read up on that uh, democratic style, that administrative style and, and that really fair style. Mm -hmm. um, you guys can figure it out by, by just your experiences. Absolutely. So what do you think is the hardest aspect of accountability? The hardest aspect of accountability would be being ultimately responsible for everything, mm -hmm. especially when you're perfectionist like myself. Mm-hmm. And you want things to go right. And it means something to you mm -hmm. for things to go right. Right. When things are going wrong, it frustrates me. Do you feel anxiety when things aren't going right? Absolutely, I okay. feel anxiety. Because I had that this morning, <laughs> just so you know, I couldn't get logged on the computer. Right. And I, I have that. I have anxiety because I care. Right. It's related to the fact that you care about your career, you care about the class, or care about whatever the issue is. Right. And so when things are going wrong, Right away, the perfectionist sees things that they could have done differently right. that would have prevented this situation from even happening. Yeah. And so I have had to learn to be a little bit more gracious mm -hmm. uh, to people and to myself yeah. about making mistakes because these are things that train us and get us ready for success. And so it's okay to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's okay to do something wrong and learn from it. It's just that when we continue to do those things, that's when you have areas of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so if I think the, the biggest thing is taking responsibility for everything. Right. And so just knowing that empowering others allows us to divvy out that responsibility mm -hmm. to other people and allows other people to be just as um, captive and 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 a part of the situation as you are. Right. And so I think one of the mistakes that some leaders make, and I've made this earlier in my career, wanting to do everything. Yes. Delegation. I yeah. had to learn to delegate. Into, and a big part of delegation is trust. Mm -hmm. Trusting other people to be just as invested as you are. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to learn that over the years about myself and do some self-given sports. Right, right on trusting others and trusting myself and delegating to other people and empowering them right. to do things because you are not the only person that have a seat at the table. The more people you invite and you inspire and you lead, mm -hmm. the more leaders and, and delegators that are out there right. able to do these big, beautiful jobs that mm -hmm. hold these great titles. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so... Let me just ask you on that note, can you tell me about a real life 
instance where accountability played an important role in your leadership? Of course. Even at, at Georgia Military College, my first day on the job, I got the position. I walked in my office and it was a huge refrigerator there. Right? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I started using it as a storage <laughs> And so it was a huge refrigerator there. And I walked in and I was like, okay, this is this is going to be great. Uh-huh. As soon as I sat down in the seat, about 15 instructors rushed in. Uh-huh. And they began to tell me all of these things that were going wrong. Right. And immediately you start to think, did I make the wrong decision? What did I get into? <laughs> did I make the wrong what did I sign up for? And I took five minutes and I said, breathe mm-hmm. and do what you do best. Right. Listen, mm-hmm. lead, and make some decisions. Right. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I took down all of the information that they gave me and I assured them that everything that you have listed, everything that you brought to my attention are things that are solvable mm-hmm. and things that will get solved in my watch. Right. Now, all of that responsibility that you were carrying or anxiety that you were carrying when you walked in the door, you can release those things and I will take them from here and I will get them resolved. Right. That's what leaders do. Yes. You alleviate that pressure mm-hmm. off of your followers so that they can be great at the things that you have them in place to do. Right. To inspire and teach our students. Right. And so... I took on those responsibilities. I figured out how to resolve those issues. And as I resolved them, I communicated mm-hmm. with the faculty members to let them know, this is the list of stuff you gave me. This has been resolved. This has been resolved. This has been resolved. And you know what? Not only did I resolve the issues, but I built trust with mine. With each problem. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with each person I have a complaint. And so that would be my example of having to be accountable for something one hour into the job. Right. A whole page full of You issues. guys hear that? One hour <laughs> one into, hour the job. into the job. <laughs> and, responsible for all those things. and I took those things on because I understood it. that was part of my role. That's why they hired me. Right. Right. And so being accountable is no joke. Yeah. You know, trying to make sure that things happen and not dropping the ball. Right. And building in feedback. Right. I think that's where we lose people. Mm-hmm. They understand that you're doing it and you're working on it. But if we're not communicating that things have been resolved, we're not communicating that, you know, we're having an area of opportunity or there's some delay or whatever, then people tend to start to lose trust in us as leaders. So we have to communicate. So listen, y'all, communication is another leadership skill. And I've already had Coach Nene in here discussing okay. uh, communication. And, and uh, I had three of the basketball players. That came in the lady the uh, lady chargers that came in and mm-hmm. we got to discuss on a student level and a student leadership level um, that that communication also. So while you're looking and listening to the podcast, check out the one that has uh, Coach Nene and the three players. There's two different podcasts that gives us the players their own podcast. So um, that was that was a really good podcast. Listen to communication. <laughs> um, do you believe that having accountability as a leader? ties into other leadership aspects. And I'm going to stop myself because I know we've been talking about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And I and I know what a lot of the aspects are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to list some of those and kind of talk about how they how they tie into accountability. Okay. Two or three good ones. So I would say it ties into delegation. 
implementation, ownership, mm. strategizing, planning, forecasting, and being proactive. I like proactive. I like, yeah, I didn't, I honestly wouldn't have put that on the list, but that's really good information to take away from that for sure. And to add one more, uh -huh. as we, you know, plan and forecast, you also have to evaluate. Oh, so evaluating sense. our progress, I would say. Making sure that whatever you're doing is working mm -hmm. for your team mm -hmm. or yourself or Because it could have worked at one organization and now you do it here and it's not working. So you have to go back to the drawing board. Right. Be willing to start over. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, this is a fun one. What person from history do you most admire for taking blame for a failure? To be honest with you, Samantha, the people who don't take responsibility are people that come to mind first. Um, let's take it there. Let's see. Yeah, we can take it there. Bill Clinton would be one of those people that I say would say didn't take blame. Um, that they should have. He should have taken blame and didn't. If you guys don't know, y'all need to go to Clinton. <laughs> and y'all learn because this was the buck stops with you when you're the leader. I tell you what. I mean, no accountability. No accountability. For, there was no accountability for for what what everybody blames Bill Clinton for. I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't own any of that. But. He, he, there were there were things that were said about him, and he did he denied, denied, denied. Mm -hmm. He was living next to the river, denying, denying. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah. If you guys don't know Bill Clinton and, and like the scandals that mm -hmm. went there, look into that. Uh, Google yeah. it. Learn some stuff. I would say Michelle Obama. Okay, is is a very gracious person mm -hmm. and has. In her role as first lady, took a lot of responsibility for things that happened prior to that administration. Um, and so did Barack. Um, so I'll probably name the two of them. I love her. Mm -hmm. I love She's her. amazing. I want to read her book so bad. I know you like to read. Have you mm -hmm. read it? I have. Yeah. I have both of them. Oh, see, I want to read it. I just haven't done it yet. I figure uh, May coming. I graduate. And I got to stack a book like this. Like when I say this, y'all, it's about two feet mm -hmm. of people who have recommended reading for me. And I'm like, okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy it on Amazon. It's bigger than the stack. I love to read about people's upbringing mm -hmm. and history. Me too. And it gives you a better um, understanding mm -hmm. of how they ended up being who they are. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what they ultimately got an opportunity to do in society. Right. You see how that happened. Right. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I want to. I want to read it. Don't. No, we're not going to talk about it. I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> what and what do you? Uh, what do you think that for Michelle Obama? When we're talking about that. What do you think that her taking the blame mm -hmm. for things that happened in in that office before she was there? Mm -hmm. What do you think that did for her as a leader? You know what? I would say it's not so much even taking the blame. It's taking the reins of what you're left with and deciding that you're going to make it better than it was before you got there. Right. Yeah. That's all you can do. I can't worry about anything that anybody did in a previous position that I've been in. Right. I have to worry about now, what do I do with what I'm left with? Right. Right. How do I make a mark? How do I make this most beneficial for our students? Mm -hmm. How do I figure out how to make this a win? Right. And when you think about it like that, it's not even so much taking blame. It's just taking the responsibility for right. the office that you've stepped into 
and deciding that you're going to make things better than they were before you got there. Y'all, that's accountability. That's what she just mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not, it's just, you know, it's ownership. Mm-hmm. Ownership. This is what you're walking into. This is what you signed up for. And this is what you're going to get done. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So on a, on a, on a lighter note or a darker note, depending on how you look at it, I want to talk about negative feedback real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you've had to give negative feedback to an employee or someone mm-hmm. that you were leading Absolutely. Um, at one point or another. Two questions. One is, um, how, what is the most gracious way to deliver that negative feedback? Mm-hmm. And two, how did that person respond to that negative feedback? Well, I've had people respond to negative feedback in a positive way, and I've had people respond to it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. It depends on how they take it, right? to be honest. The person. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, in my mind, when you're giving someone feedback that's not, that's not as positive as you would like for it to be, because you have to be honest with your people, right? then I think highlighting what they're doing right mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. is the perspective that I take. Right. I like to talk about all the things that they did right. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk about these small areas of opportunity where we can build or we can do better or we can implement or we can take it to the next level. And I try to take it on a stand like that, on a positive spin, mm-hmm. so that the person then feel beat down. Right. Because that's not what it's about. Right. Right. I've worked in places where I felt beat down before. And I've worked in places like here where you feel empowered Mm -hmm. to do better. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. And so you feel empowered. You want to leave the conversation with the person feeling empowered to do more and do better. So that the next time we have this conversation, you have some highlights for me about some things we were able to change or things we were able to impact. Right. So that we get a different outcome. Right. So to me, it's not so much about negative feedback. It is, it's, it's all to me positive feedback. Right. Because even when you're not doing something right, understanding what you're not doing right is half the battle because sometimes we're we're doing those things because we think that we're doing the right thing. Right. right. And so highlighting those things and going over it and having a good, a good understanding of what we could do differently right. is, I think, the most important thing to get away from feedback. Well, that was the last question I have for you. Do you have any last minute advice for any upcoming leaders when it comes to accountability or just leadership in general? Any kind of advice that can help students grow into a, a fantastic leadership position? I will say lead by example mm-hmm. because you're never going to inspire people that don't trust you. I tell my 14-year-old that every day. <laughs> don't be a follower, son. Lead by example. Lead by example. And don't be afraid to be the only voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes as leaders, we um, we tend to not be as that shining beacon of light that we should be because we don't want to be alone. Right. And being a leader, the essence of leading right. is alone. Yeah. And not in a mean way. Right. But understanding that you may not be the most popular person when you have to lead a team, but they should trust you with their lives. Right. Because, oh, sorry, go ahead. Because they know that the things that you are doing or saying or acting on is because it's coming from a place 
of wanting to make sure that the team is better, mm-hmm. the department is better, and ultimately academia that our students join. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. That's right. Yeah. So I, I definitely, um, I don't know what I was going to say. That happens to me a lot. It's okay. What does he want from me? It's okay. I think that you are awesome at this and you're funny. <laughs> I love Yay. it. Well, you guys, we have Michelle Lockett Lewis with us. Like I said, when we first started, uh, she's been named as the Assistant Vice President of Academic Resources and Retention, and she supervises the Student Support Services Center, the Academic Tutoring Center, uh, Grants Administration, uh, Office of the Registrar, Center of Excellence in Teaching and Learning, and my new cousin and best friend. Right. So I appreciate everything, all your Thank time you. that you've given me, letting me email you over and over. Uh, it's okay. All my questions. It's okay. <laughs> and let me say one shameless plug. Do it. Okay. I'm shameless okay. plug. Because I got one too. And you're going to like it. Okay. So, students, remember, I'm over student conduct, <laughs> student code of conduct, and academic integrity. And even if you have to see me, because you make a, a lapse of judgment. It, this too shall pass. This is all a learning experience. And I want you to never get your head down. Remember that we've all started from somewhere and ultimately focus on where you want to end up. Have a great day. That's perfect. I do want to say one more thing um, about student support services. Uh, mm-hmm. The Student Support Services Center has played a vital role in my time here at Georgia Highlands College. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, we have counselors here at Georgia Highlands College, um, and I know a lot of people, a lot of you guys don't know that this service is a free service to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you might think you don't have any problems. I reached out to a counselor. Um, I was I was struggling in one of my classes. I was struggling in a biology class, and uh, my, my it was an online class because of COVID, mm-hmm. and my professor was a very absent professor. I had a hard time getting the information I needed, mm-hmm. and I was getting very frustrated. And that's when, if you remember, Dr. McGuire came and mm-hmm, did, mm-hmm. did a, did a, you guys need to check that out. If there's a recording, I'll, I'll get you guys more information on that. Um, but Dr. McGuire came, so, you know, I bought her book. I, I tried her tactics. I, it just wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a counselor and I was, because I was so frustrated and uh, I'm an AB student and I was struggling. And um, I, I was in psychology club and she came to speak. And that's how I knew that the, that the program existed. And when I first met with her, I said, listen, I don't have any problems. <laughs> I don't even really know why I'm here. I'm here because I'm irritated that I can't get the result that I'm looking for out of this class. That's why I'm here. And she goes, we'll come up with something. And I have been talking to her for over a year now. And it has changed my life. She's yeah. given me direction. She's been a mentor. You guys got to check out our um, Student Support Services Center. There's so much to offer in there. You guys mm-hmm. definitely need to check out that space. Right. Yep. Counseling, disability services, yep. career services, WIOA, mm-hmm. all of that is in that center. All of it. And career services. I mean, you guys, if you don't know, if you don't know anything about what you're trying to, to do here, if you're if you're in a general studies pathway, um, maybe you should maybe you should talk about, you know, think about talking to the career services and, and maybe getting a, a pathway that, that you're, you know, you're really interested in. They'll, they'll help you with that. So. Absolutely. Again, thank you. I appreciate thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate it.